I swear. Well, hello. They get worse every <laughs> oh, single I know. Year. <laughs> well, welcome to the PTUK Christmas 2022 special. And it is Christmas time, so obviously we have to bring out our special festive show as we do each year with a lineup of star studded guests. So, joining us on this festive show today, uh, our first guest. Is that uh, where we say they, they weren't available, so here's who oh, we have yeah. instead? <laughs> our first guest uh, joining us on the show is uh, someone who is always in the chat room every week, wielding his blue spanner of doom. Uh, so, welcome onto the Christmas show, our main man, Micah. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. And what a wonderful opening, I've got to say. Just totally amazing. It just makes me want to order a cheeseburger, fries, and a vanilla shake. <laughs> I just think a, a kind of American theme would be good for our for our Christmas show. So, yeah, it was kind of a Happy Days theme. Do you remember, remember that series, Micah? Happy oh, Days? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Hey. Oh, yes. The wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So w welcome on, Mike. Good to good of you to join us uh, for our Christmas show again this year. I never miss one. I know. Good. <laughs> well done. And uh, also joining us this year as uh, as our a star-studded lineup of guest hosts, he wouldn't miss a Christmas show. You know, he'd never miss a Christmas show because he is our festive Saint Nick. It is Captain Nick. Ah, hi there. Hello, PTUK. Well, it's delightful. Uh, I'm lovely to see you guys in your merry, merry Christmas spirit thing every year. Yeah, love it. Uh, I've, something I, if, say? I have the uncontrollable urge to paint him green all of a sudden. I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> it's got a real green that came into my head was poking. Oh, okay, of course. Yeah. Anyway, look, it's really nice to see you guys looking so festive, looking so happy to be uh, sitting here on a Saturday afternoon enjoying yourself, knowing that tomorrow's Christmas Day. Well, quite, indeed. <laughs> and also with us, we've got uh, our, our always glorious and glamorous lineup of hosts that we have every Friday on the show. And uh, he's got a very festive background today. And it's safe to say that by the end of this uh, show, he'll be having to dig himself out of his studio <laughs> over in the sprawling Buckinghamshire countryside. It is Neville Bounds. Yes, it's gone decidedly nippy over the last few minutes, I must <laughs> Hasn't say. It just, and, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, great to be back. And uh, I can't believe it's Christmas again. I mean, I know it was a year ago since the last one, but this year's just gone so quickly, hasn't it? But um, really enjoying uh, getting together with everybody and uh, having a bit of a laugh later on, hopefully. Yeah, I expect uh, the shares of BA have gone down again now over the Christmas break now, being you're not flying. Uh, well, no, uh, I think there are, there are other people that are flying. The only trouble is that the uh, air, some of the airport workers are not working. Uh, so uh, we're back to square one again, unfortunately. But let's, uh, let's see how we get on next year anyway. And also with us for the Christmas show. And it wouldn't be a Christmas show if someone wasn't holding a festive pooch. <laughs> and it's uh, <laughs> our king of all things military is of obviously is, of course, Armando. Hey, everybody. Micah's got the upper East Coast covered and we've got the lower East Coast covered. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. And little Lewis Lane says, hello, Merry Christmas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think, I, I'm not quite sure what's happening. I think I'm under having a breakdown. I, I feel like we should call for help. 
Well, it is Christmas, almost Christmas morning, so we're probably a, a couple of coquitos in. You have to look it up. It's Puerto Rican eggnog. Wow. Yeah. I've never had an eggnog. I need to put that right at some point. I'll, I'll look out when I'm in uh, Lidl's or Aldi next. Oh, yes, do, please, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never get drunk on an eggnog because you'll, you'll never be able to look another egg in the face. Oh, dear. Has it got actual egg in it, then? I know that sounds like a daft question. <laughs> oh, yes. Eggnog does. Coquito okay. does not. It's just got a lot of rum and coconut. Right. Ooh, I like that. That sounds like a very good combination. I, <laughs> I feel I, I feel be more at home with it being on a beach or somewhere like that, perhaps, you know. Well, no, no that's okay. If an eggnog's done right, it's going to have a lot of rum or bourbon or something brandy in it anyway, so it'll be just fine. Ah, I like it. Very good. Mm-hmm. I have to, definitely have to look that one up. I wonder mm. if I can get that on online. Probably. Make do with beer instead. <laughs> oh, Some good old real ale. So we've got a massive festive Christmas show to bring you today, along with a competition for you, the listener, to enter um, with some absolutely fantastic prizes on offer for that uh, this year. Uh, We've also got a quiz for our host to do this year, which uh, we always do, uh, which is going to be quite interesting to see just how good our guests are at guessing things. Uh, But we have got some Christmas festive commercial news stories to bring you. So uh, if you're ready, everyone. Indeed, indeed. Absolutely. Go. The captain has turned on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts. Right, Nick, you've got the first story. Ah, yes, absolutely. I'm just looking at my show notes now, and it says here, story one, host Nick. So the hostess (laughs) with the mostess, and it's good because it's a story about hostesses um, because EasyJet, uh, I ought to say who this has been brought to you by. Hang on a minute. Uh, I can't read it. It's just like something like the Echo News. That's correct. Matt, oh, it's good. I got it right. The, the printing's very small for Father Christmas to see. Um, <laughs> anyway, EasyJet launches a jolly trolley service to retirement homes, which is perfect because that's what I do. I I am in the home and I am retired, so I'm in my retirement home. Uh, the airline EasyJet has announced it will be launching a special festive service for retirement homes. Can't wait for my one to arrive. Uh, for retirement home residents this December. Their Jolly Trolley service will see the airline's cabin crew deliver festive treats, including mince pies, mulled wine, and hot chocolate, and sitting on the guests' laps uh, to retirement homes, as well as sing some Christmas carols. Now, it's the sitting on the guests' laps I'm looking forward to, so I'm just going to make sure my lovely wife is out for the afternoon when they come. Um... Let me see. Recent research from Age UK showed that 1.4 million older people expect to feel lonely at Christmas. And I'm not surprised because, you know, often uh, their family ignores them, poor people. And, uh, you know, some people have had. So what's EasyJet going to do? What's EasyJet going to do? They're going to serve all these old people mold wine and get them drunk. That's something about uh, this. Yeah, absolutely. Wrong. And put trolley dollies on their laps, which I think was, is great fun. 
Um, so the aim of the service is to bring some seasonal cheer to residents of retirement homes and villages in the UK. Well, I live in a UK village, so I can't wait. Uh, the service will be rolled out in Bristol, Manchester and Glasgow. Hang on a minute. That's, none of those are villages uh, throughout December. Uh, which are home to some of EasyJet's largest operations. Oh, I see. It's linked to their airports, is it? Uh, before that, the surprise first trip was made to the residents at Wixom's retirement home in Bedfordshire. That's very apt. Uh, near the airline's headquarters in Luton. Uh, Pam, uh, sorry, I just needed to say Pan Am there. Pam Clark, a cabin manager for Easy. Who is based at Luton said about bringing the service to Wixom's, making our customers feel welcome and giving them a fantastic experience when they fly with us uh, is a really important part of what we do. And so I love being part of this initiative uh, as it meant I could bring that famous in flight service to my very own community and spark a little extra. Joy. Well, I'm sure all those lovely old gentlemen in the retirement homes can't wait. Uh, Michael Brown, Director of Cabin Services at Easy, said our fantastic cabin crew are a big part of the community and the cities we fly from all across the UK, from Luton to Liverpool, Gatwick to Glasgow, Bristol to Belfast. Nice alliteration, uh, Michael Brown. And so many cities in between. Uh, so this is Christmas. We wanted to take the opportunity to give back to communities we serve and bring the warm welcome and fabulous service our cabin crew are famous for directly to their doors to share some extra special festive cheer. So that's Easy's uh, efforts to uh, make life a little bit happier and nicer for those who are stuck away in a retirement home over Christmas. How nice. What do you think of that, Micah? I just think it's lovely. Like I said, you know, if you're stuck in a retirement home, what's there to do? Well, get drunk, and EasyJet's going to help. Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah. Nick, I may have uh, specifically picked that story for you uh, because it had the retirement home, so it's something that you can look <laughs> forward to. St. Nick, I mean. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm going to be pretty damn busy over Christmas, quite honestly. So uh, I would probably won't have a chance to enjoy that. But with all the present delivering I'm going to have to do. You'll I mean, you know, for me, we don't realize this. I start around the 6th of December in some countries. Uh, you know, St. Nicholas uh, has a pretty early uh, start for the Christmas period. And then I have to carry all the way on. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the 12 days of Christmas don't end till the 6th of January. So everyone thinks it's a one-night stand, but it's not. You know, it goes on for ages. <laughs> but you know well, what? Let me ask you a question, Nick. You know, uh, you used to fly. You know, you were a line pilot for, for years and uh, and would oftentimes be stuck flying over Christmas. You've been retired for a few years now. Would you, Do you like, is, is it pleasant being home or do you kind of sometimes miss flying over the Christmas holidays? Well, when I got senior enough, I could generally bid off any Christmas trips. But um, I used to enjoy the fun of being away on a Christmas trip, but it meant shifting the whole schedule at home so that we still had a Christmas, but it wasn't you know, on the conventional 
25th. So um, uh, from that point of view, it's a lot easier to sort everything out now that I know I'm guaranteed to be home. As long as the ticker keeps going, I'll be here for Christmas. That's lovely, isn't it? I suppose you missed those festive trips into Lagos, Nick. I know your favourite. Uh, exactly right. I used to love the uh, the... <laughs> The, the sand, they used to give us quite a good spread, actually, uh, on Christmas Day. And we even had a visit from Santa. He used to come round and, uh, you know, go ho, ho, ho. I like they do. So next story on our festive list for today is from the dailymail.co.uk. And it's, uh, well, it's, a, it's another boozy story. Why are we calling these boozy stories? Uh, watch the airport beers. Booze warning for Aussie flyers uh, off on holiday this Christmas. Be be, be uh, careful, Grant McCarran. Uh, they've been told uh, they're going to have the zero tolerance to these people. So travellers have been urged to behave respectfully in airports and on planes over the festive season with the Australian Federal Police warning they'll crack down on troublemakers. The agency's told passengers to remain on their nice list over Christmas, saying it will have zero tolerance for bad behaviour. It comes after the AFP responded to more than 800 aviation alcohol-related incidents at Australian airports in the last 12 months to November. More than 330 alleged offenders faced around 420 charges for their conduct at airports between May and October this year. AFP Assistant Commissioner Scott Lee said travellers need to be particularly mindful of how much alcohol they are consuming at airports. This is a special time of year and the AFP is at airports to keep passengers safe, Mr Lee said. The majority of passengers do the right thing, but we know those who do not can be disruptive for other passengers. Uh, Airlines for Australia and New Zealand uh, Chief Executive Alison Roberts said protecting customers and staff was the main objective for authorities. And while the uh, vast majority of travellers treat each other and airline team members with respect and kindness, unfortunately, as with other industries, there are some people who behave badly. Yes, we all know those people. And uh, they have, well, they obviously have had a bit of a bad rap in the press over the last 12 months. I know we've been reported on it many times on the show. Um, Australian Airport's Chief Executive James Goodwin said staff would be working hard to avoid travel disruption and urge travellers not to take out any frustration on workers. Airports will continue to engage with travellers to promote considerate and responsible behaviour, including the responsible service of alcohol within the airport's precinct, Mr Goodwin said. They're working hard to get you on holiday on your destination and safely urge people not to take out any frustrations on staff because any disrespectful or unruly behaviour will not be tolerated. The 10 days leading up to Christmas will be the busiest and we're continuing to ask passengers to arrive two hours early prior to departure for domestic flights and three hours ahead for international flights so if it's not getting drunk on board the aircraft it's getting drunk at the airports obviously nev never does this even though he has access to all the best loungers in the airports hey nev well i think you know it's all about moderation and tolerance isn't it you know and also the time i get to the airport i'm not really in the mood for a a skinful at <laughs> 5 30 in the morning more like really? a bacon sandwich and a coffee yeah. Oh dear. Although I must admit, I have to confess, I, I am one of those people who has rocked up at the airport at 6am and had a pint of cider from Weatherspoons oh. for no other reason than because I can. <laughs> Mind you, I'm noticing more and more people in the BA lounge, especially 
those of a certain type at swigging back the champagne at 5.30 in the morning or a, a very large glass of Chardonnay and, and that sort of stuff. I can't work out whether they've been there from the night before or whether it's in the morning. But, um, yeah, shocking amount of uh, booze being consumed. Um, I'm a spectator only, as you can imagine. I suppose well, for you, Armando, you uh, don't, you don't, because you're, you're the man up front, so you can't do that. Oh, well, I write in the back plenty, though. Um, I am not above an early morning drink, a mimosa or a nice Bloody Mary or something like that, especially when I'm traveling international. Um, that being said, though, nobody that listens to this show would ever partake in any nefarious actions on an airplane. But can we just make this a public service announcement right now? The holidays is already stressful. Please don't be that person. Like Everybody's just trying to get to wherever they're going on the holidays on an airliner don't be don't be that person i wonder how many stories we're going to do here in a couple of weeks about holiday disruptions because of a you know people behaving badly well it's funny just a couple of weeks ago brian and i were talking on we do the journey is the reward podcast we were asked a question whether we have ever witnessed any bad behavior or been responsible for any bad behavior and obviously we've both witnessed quite a bit of it and i i don't know if we've ever witnessed quite as much as as nev has but we've certainly seen some awful things and in fact both of us were responsible for some bad behavior when we were much younger not on the aircraft but on the ground with some ground staff when we started to get very angry over a bad situation like my luggage didn't arrive and i was presenting at a conference the next day and it wasn't going to be there for two days and i needed my suit and then in the middle of it all of a sudden realized wait a minute this person on the ground isn't responsible for my luggage having disappeared why am i yelling at them and i apologize profusely but sometimes it happens there had been no drinking involved i must say it was just an upsetting experience yeah, that's, of course, the ones Micah can remember. The other ones, he was so blind drunk, he forgot all about it. <laughs> oh, it's all those Bloody Marys in the morning. <laughs> I must admit, the Yanks used to have a really bad rep. Uh, I remember when I was in Australia on exchange and uh, uh, my cohort across the road who was uh, an F-15 Eagle driver, uh, in his uh, previous life, and we were both uh, out in Australia flying Hornets, uh, he said, let's do something really nice for our wives, Nick. Let's um, get all the kids up. You can bring them over to my place, and we'll sit them down, and we'll open a few presses with them and let the wives have a lie-in. And I thought that was a great idea until uh, I got met at the door. It was at about 5.30 in the morning with my uh, one and a half, and um, he presented me with this Bloody Mary that was just so strong. I nearly knocked my socks off. I just couldn't believe it. It was, you know, full of stuff sticking out of the top, like celery and, you know, hibiscus plants and, you know, the odd rubber tree. I don't know. Uh, and so much vodka. Unbelievable. So I thought, well, all Americans must be like this. It must be good over there. Honestly, some, well, pe well, some people are just not, not grateful, are they? Honestly. <laughs> No, I don't, it's very I don't true. usually I don't usually send accolades towards fighter jet pilots because I was not one. So uh, whoever you are, congratulations and thank you for keeping up foreign relations. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well done, Jack. Yeah. Do you guys have Do you guys have Bloody Mary bars over there? You know, like like a, like instead of a salad bar, like certain restaurants will have a Bloody Mary. Oh, I Mary thought you bar meant you can... uh, a bar you could unwrap and eat as a snack. <laughs> uh, gonna... No, no that would be a nice. 
it, it's almost <laughs> like a salad bar because Bloody Mary is over here in certain places in the morning. It's almost like eating a salad where there's, you know, celery sticks and carrot sticks. You've had those, I'm sure, Armando, right? Oh, for sure. There's a there's a place. Actually, Megan and I, on our first date, we went to – our first date ever was on New Year's Eve, and we went to a place called Whiskey Cake, which is, uh, I think, a chain out, out west. But they have a brunch Bloody Mary bar. And you can get basically pancakes and waffles, or not pancakes, so pancake, chicken and waffles. And then the whole rest of the restaurant is just this bar with uh, Bloody Mary ingredients. I mean, there's bake, like Nick is talking about, like bacon. You can get probably chicken drumsticks and throw it in there. And <laughs> <laughs> it is really weird, though. Um, it's, it's one of the most popular drinks on an airplane involves uh tomato juice bloody marys uh yet very rarely do you ever go to someone's house when you're on the ground and go can i have a tomato juice please but for some reason in the air they are just per the perfect thing to accompany your flight uh is yes there have been studies on it that tomato juice tastes very different at altitude and people are very very uh, in favor of it and drink quite a bit of it because it tastes different when you're flying at thirty thousand feet than it does on the ground yeah, I know. Absolutely. The cabin crew always used to remark on it. And how can we get through so much of this tomato juice? I, I, I don't think I've ever had one. I mean, I've you know, obviously I've had vodka and stuff like but it's always been like a tonic uh, and things like that mm. rather, rather than a sort of like tomato juice. Although I must admit, it's one of the drinks my mum is quite fond of is a is a, a, a Bloody Mary um, with the sort of... Does like, she like the, them spicy? Yeah, she likes a little bit of the old Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. Well, yeah. Top, yeah. Worcestershire sauce is just the the beginning of it. Tabasco and oh, pepper blimey. and cayenne pepper and all sorts of stuff goes in them. And I use sriracha in mine. Recipes. I like to spice it up so with what, sriracha. Man? Sriracha. It's a bless you. Sorry. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a, a, a Vietnamese or Thai style oh, wow. uh, garlic spicy sauce. It's wonderful. Oh, that sounds good. Ooh. I do I do love me Thai spices. I have to be honest. I uh, right. Somebody jot this all down. I I have some experimenting to do. Oh my word! <laughs> be a very very festive Christmas for Matt this year. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Anyone looking to buy Matt a, a Christmas present? Go get get a ready mix. Um, uh, Bloody Mary kit for him and post that off. Oh, I like the sound of that. Nev, I was going to ask, when you're sitting in your seat 1A, obviously having your caviar and stuff, is is there any particular drink that you're fond of when you're when you're flying? Or do you, I know you don't obviously drink tons, but is there a drink, an alcoholic beverage on board that you favour? I just quite like the, the wines that they serve, actually, but they're, they're, they're very generous with them. And of course, you must remember that you are, I'm normally driving at the other end, uh, so when they give me two bottles of wine uh, and they say, oh, would you like a third just, you know, to take home for later on? I've got to be a bit careful. So I'm uh, I'm very aware of how much I'm drinking on the aircraft, especially if I'm uh, got to drive home the other end. But it's, it's normally uh, red or white wine or perhaps a, a gin and tonic if I'm really pushing the boat out. Mm. So, yeah, something like that. Nev, we're going to stay with you for this next story. It's on simpleflying.com, uh, and it says that British Airways Boeing 747 Negus is now a winter wonderland. Is well, that Arthur Negus? It's, it's, it is the same fella, absolutely. Oh, yeah. well, I never... Very good with the um, 
the antiques, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Very yes. good. Yeah. I think you've got to be of a certain That's age. Just like the seven forty-seven. It's an so, antique. Well, I was just waiting for that. <laughs> you've got to be a certain age to know who Arthur Negus is, and it's relevant that uh, we're talking about the seven forty-seven as well. I think. But what do you do with an enormous jumbo jet when it's reached the end of its useful service life? Well, for some. It's like a long rest in the desert, but for others, it's a future of repurposing it into key rings and trinkets. But some airliners are a bit too special to be either abandoned to rust or to chop up into pieces. Such is the case with the four retro liveried British, uh, British Airways Boeing 747s, which were withdrawn from service at the onset of the pandemic. Uh, whilst BA flew a sizable fleet of 747s, most of which has ended up uh, parked or in pieces, these four heritage liveried jumbos ha uh, held a special place in the heart of the AvGeek community. Uh, not only is the 747 an iconic piece of BA's history, but these four jets tell the story of the BA livery evolution too, uh, bringing back memories for many a passenger. Thankfully, all four aircraft ended up finding permanent homes with a promise to be preserved for many years to come perhaps a bit like some of the pilots, uh, who knows. Um, but one of the four is housed at Cotswold Airport and has been converted into an event space suitable for corporate engagements, parties, and even weddings. Uh, registration Golf, Charlie, India, Victor, Bravo, and sporting the iconic Negus livery, the Boeing 747 was one of the final two to depart from London Heathrow in October 2020 but it's being well-loved and cared for in the green countryside of the Cotswolds. Whilst the Negus 747 uh, has seen some fun times so far, nothing quite tops what she's doing right now. Well, before you can step on the plane, you must pass through a naughty or nice detector. Uh, if you're not nice enough, you'll need to <laughs> sing a Christmas song or two to boost the cheer factor. Um, well, as soon as you board the 747, it's time for the safety briefing. This takes place in the forward cabin of the main deck in some rather comfortable World Traveller Plus seats. Uh, forward of the, uh, this small cabin would be first class. Uh, but, uh, people aren't permitted to see inside that area. Apparently, secret elf things were going on in there. Mm. Well, I'm just pleased that they've uh, preserved the aircraft, I must say. And um, perhaps you ought to do a trip down to Cotswold one these days, uh, Carlos, and take take the camera yeah. and have a word with the folks down there. See if we can. I think that's a good idea, Nev. I think we should do that. Yeah. But I'm glad they saved. I'm glad they saved this to the degree that they have saved this because they have um, preserved the interior. And um, obviously they're using this as an, as an events um, platform now, aren't they, for stuff? Yeah. But it's good to see they've, they've retained a lot of the cabin interior. Well, of course, the last time we went on a 747 was October 2019 on the way back from the Dubai Air Show. Uh, little did we realise that was the last time we would ever fly on a 747. Yes. Um, yeah, and it was just uh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago that the last one rolled off the line yeah it was the uh, 7478 cargo last one to be made indeed in fact uh, we we ran that story on episode 437 if you want to find out more about that mm. so the average age of a 747 is what 20 25 years oh, yeah, about that. yes yeah so they'll be darkening our damn sky for uh, you know a quarter of a century longer because if, if the last one has just rolled off you won't get them out of the air for at least another 25 years that'll be terrible 
I think I think to be fair, I mean, as freighters, I think it will be a very long time before we see, before we sort of see them them come out of service because they are a very popular aircraft for uh, for freighting freighters, especially even now, even the, like the seven six seven I know is popular as well. So I think it'll be a long old time before they're they're officially out of the skies. But perhaps the pe- yeah. passenger variants they, are- they'll they'll use any old junk airplane to fly freight around. <laughs> Well, there's very little, um, very very few other aircraft that uh, can carry as much as a 747. And also, you got to look at how that cargo hold opens up with the nose rolling back. There's uh, there's no other commercial aircraft or freighter aircraft that that that, that does that regularly. Uh, I don't believe. You know, it's only going to be the military aircraft like the the C5. Is I believe is the only other one in regular service. Which makes me wonder why uh, cargo outfits have never bought uh, any uh, ex-military aircraft to use as mm. uh, freighters because they're purpose-built for the job. There's actually a few. Uh, the the Lockheed L-382, uh, basically a stretch C-130. There's uh, Evergreen Air Cargo, Linden Air Cargo. Um, there's uh, Southern Air Cargo. They, they've got some... Uh, some old C-130s, and I imagine... Uh, yeah, but I mean, C-130s have always had a, a civilian application uh, right from the early days. Yeah, they've, they've been civilianized versions. And those I mean, I mean things are... like Starlifters and, you know, ones that have been uh, around for years. Yeah, so, yeah you would think the, the Starlifter, that, that would be a great C-141, one. C-141, yeah. Oh, yeah. A yeah. hundred of them sitting yeah. out in the desert. <laughs> Captain Jeff could uh, get a job on one and keep going for another twenty-five years. <laughs> and I was going to say, the, uh, for that, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Antonovs are actually, you know, when you think about it, really military-styled aircraft that, uh, uh, yeah, that offer that same kind of service as well. But uh, the C5s, you know, there's so much trouble maintaining them. There's always been difficulty with them that I can't imagine they would ever really could possibly enter commercial service. So, Micah, you've got the uh, the next story about well, um, the twelve planes of Christmas. Well, yeah. Speaking of of military, more or less, uh, the commemorative Air Force, and this comes from WarbirdNews.com. Uh, the commem- the commemorative Air Force, also known as the CAF, is again holding their twelve planes of Christmas online giving campaign, which provides an opportunity to aid in the restoration and maintenance of aircraft, as well as learn more about the CAF's fleet of historic aircraft. Now, all the CAF aircraft are restored, maintained, flown, and exhibited by a dedicated volunteer force, which operates out of 60 different locations across the USA. Uh, the, the organization depends on the donations to keep them all flying. Each year, 12 aircraft from the, con, con, it used to be the Confederate Air Force, now it's known as the Commemorate Air Force. Each year, the 12 aircraft from the Commemorate Air Force fleet are selected to be featured during the 12 Planes of Christmas campaign. And one additional aircraft, they always call the Phoenix Project, is included to highlight an aircraft that has just made it made its first post-flight restoration rather made its first post-flight restoration flight or post-restoration flight let me try that one more time <laughs> the phoenix is the aircraft that just made its first post-restoration flight or will soon do so 
The airplanes selected for this year's campaign come from 12 different con- commemorative Air Force units spread across eight states. The aircraft are not only historically significant, but their restoration upkeep will have a demonstrated impact on the respective communities from which they are they're from. The campaign is launched on Giving Thursday, December 1st, and runs through December 31st, 2022. And it's certainly a worthy cause. You see a lot of these gorgeous aircraft flying throughout many of the air shows. Uh, and, uh, you know, we need to keep them up, keep them flying, because uh, when they stop, there won't be any more. Yeah, it's always right, amazing yeah. to me, right? That, I, I'm that, just very curious what the 12 airplanes are. Are we allowed to know? Well, well actually, is- Matt is posting some pictures on there. Um, ah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, Matt's got the pictures on there. What's that one? Oh. What's that? I'll tell you what they are. They're the. Uh, this looks like a storch. That's a German airplane, isn't it? There's an AT6. There's uh, an a, from the Wasp Squadron. There's an SM. Oh my God! What's that? That's a PT19, which actually plays a role in my Christmas story that'll be coming up later. Well, that's what that's what you learned to fly in, right, Nick? PT19. Uh, yeah, that's right. What's that? A we're away or something? That's a PT26. That one. PT26. Yeah, yeah, there's also a a zero oh, buffalo part of that. And oh, Thunderbolt. It says P forty seven. P forty seven. There we go. Yes. Yeah, so the twelve the twelve planes of Christmas look. Uh, and uh, as if you take a look at the show notes, the details you need. If you want to follow that up, you'll find it right there. So moving on, Armando, you've got the uh, the last story for the Christmas show. Yeah, and actually we talked about this story last year. This particular update is from fox2detroit.com. But every year, one father goes above and beyond, quite literally, to make sure that he spends uh, the holidays with his daughter during the during Christmas and New Year's. Val uh, Vaughn's daughter, Pierce Vaughn, works at a flight attendant as a flight attendant for Delta Airlines. Every single year she's been scheduled to work over the holidays, as we were just talking about with Nick. Um uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. <clears throat> so what does her father do? He simply chooses to spend the entire holiday up in the clouds with her, joining her on multiple trips that she has to work. This year, the pair will actually get to enjoy the holiday from the ground. Uh, she says, I'm still a flight attendant, but I'm actually off for the first time for Christmas. She shared that with a local TV news outlet. Uh, She said that she's so grateful to have the chance to spend quality time with both her parents in Mississippi this month. She continued on to say that the last few years have been incredibly busy and seem to fly by faster than she can hold on. So she's really looking forward to a Christmas at home, 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 when so many other places have grown to feel like home. As for Christmas plans, the family doesn't have anything scheduled just yet, except that they will finally all be together. She's just uh, happy to be on the ground, and her father said that he is just happy that she will be on the ground. Um, The story was actually first featured in 2018 when a fellow passenger, Mike Levy, took some photos of the special moment and shared it on Facebook, and we covered it here on the show. Um, Levy explained that he had the pleasure of sitting next to Hal on his flight back home, that his daughter... Pierce was the flight attendant working over Christmas, and that Hal would spend the holidays with her. Um, Anyway, Vaughn said in a post of her own that her her dad had actually made it on every single flight and even got a first-class seat from Fort Myers to Detroit. Uh, Special thanks to all the patient, wonderful gate agents around the country and my perfect crew, she wrote. Now, we were just talking about this. It is 
important to remember that there are a lot of people working over the holidays to get you, the passengers, everywhere that you want to go. So keep them unless it, unless it's border force here in the uk in which case it will be other people's lives who and no sorry shut up smith uh, <laughs> yeah and we just talked about that if the border force does go on strike then it's going to be your your local military folks that will be covering passport control there at uh, all the airports uh, so keep them in your thoughts anyways be Absolutely. nice to them please takes within the bounds of security guidelines of course take some nice treats take some chocolates take some uh, nice little Christmas gifts for your uh, your crews and your cabin crews and your gate agents. That's a nice idea. I, I know. It's I know. You know, my, my old outfit. You do actually give all the crews that were operating uh, on a Christmas flight tickets, uh, uh, firm tickets for their loved ones to uh, come and join them, or at least a loved one, which I thought was uh, always a nice uh, uh, gift to give them. Eventually, idea. they started making them pay for them, but uh, they were still pretty cheap, so that was good. I thought it was really nice because the aircraft's usually pretty empty, and uh, plenty of room for them. And uh, it was always nice to get them uh, and then upgrade them all and uh, and let them have a, a really fun time uh, down route with the rest of the crew. And that's something I always do whenever I travel, but especially when I travel on holidays is I bring some uh, some chocolate truffles or some rochets and always uh, try to get in touch with the pilots and always the flight attendants and try to help out the ground crew too and let them know that I appreciate that they're taking care of me. And, you know, it's incredibly appreciated. I've never seen people smile so much as when I'm able to thank them for, for doing what their job is. Thank you for doing that, Micah. I do the same thing. Uh, I this year I will be flying on Christmas Day commercial back from uh, Washington DC back to Charlotte and I intend on doing the exact same thing. Excellent. Aww. Well done. So, we've got a quiz guys next. Ooh. 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 Oh, prizes. There's, there's there's no prize. Well, you, you I what? mean Matt might be able to rustle up a, ra- a, a, ra- a fanfare or a round of applause a or something. I'm expecting at least a bloody mary. <laughs> Or a Bloody Mary, exactly, yeah. Hey, we have... there's, no better, there's no better prize than being invited to take part in the PTUK Christmas oh, show. See what he did there. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I think this, Nick disagrees with you. We won last year. I'll tell you what, if, team. I'll tell you what Nick, yeah. if you win, I'll send you one of our military mugs. How does that sound? One of our what? <laughs> what do you mean, uh, what? Or a 5% a discount. Mug. I would love to have <laughs> a, a mug. Military yeah. mug. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. There you Thank go. Look, you. if you look at your screen, there you go. Look, that's that's our, that's oh, our look. new military oh, mug. Oh, look, look. Some, oh, some swag. Yes. Yeah, that's some that. Yeah, uh, okay. have one <laughs> with an airplane on. Yeah, okay. Well, if you win, Mikey, you can have one. That, there you go. That's the... <laughs> with with Ozzy the Osprey. Yeah, is it is it that? I I, th- I thought it was called Mac. Mac. I don't know. Yeah, it's called Mac. Mac, Mac. yes, yeah. Mac. Maybe Mac to you, no, but no, I want with an airplane, not an Osprey. Oh, we, we can't customize the mic, <laughs> <laughs> Nick. That's not how it works. We we don't. <laughs> right, okay, lovely. Well, well okay. Well, if you win, the then we'll send we'll send it to Mike. <laughs> the great thing about the Osprey is sometimes it is ident- it identifies as an airplane. Sometimes it identifies as ah, helicopters. I see. Yeah, you can just pick and choose. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what pronoun highlight- do you have? to use when you refer to it <laughs> anyway one, should of we move highlights, on? <laughs> one of the highlights of my year this year was being able to tour an osprey and interview a, a pilot from the uh, from a, a osprey pilot it was just fabulous wow yeah it was pretty cool micah sent me some pictures from when when he did that and it took me right back plus i was up in micah's neck of the woods i was in pease new hampshire 
I think, and uh, I saw a couple of Ospreys flying up there. Yeah. Pretty cool. So we at the uh, Christmas quiz this year. Uh, this year, it's um, no blurred pictures. They're full quality oh, HD ooh. pictures, but they are airports this year. Now we've got two teams. Team A, the professionals, we'll call them, uh, Nev and Armando. Hmm. And Team B, we're calling the senior professionals, is Captain Nick and Micah. I resemble that remark. Yeah, so do I. I I'm using the word senior that that uh, you're you know you're top of the league you're you know you're you're up captains and above. Oh, I thought you meant closer to retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, pictures will come up on the screen, and uh, your your well your your challenge is to guess the name of the airport if you can't guess we'll pass it on to the next team so uh, team a you'll start things off then and matt will pop up this picture on the screen play at home if you're watching uh, the show at home here we go matt's going to pop up the first picture of the airport which you need to answer or guess which airport this is there we go team a i assume they're jotting it down are they we're not we're not sort of I'm, I'm jotting it down here. Right, right good. So, yeah, team A, yeah. don't shout Nev, out. Is what I'm saying. Nev and Armando, yeah. Nev and Armando, what uh, what airport is this? Um, I think that's Charles de Gaulle, right? Yeah, I seem to remember that because that's got that sort of satellite thing in the middle, isn't it? With yeah, that's pretty unique terminal. I, I'm going to go with, with with Ned's concurrence, Charles de Gaulle. Yeah, I agree. Ding. There you go. Fake sound effect. That could work correctly. That's uh, <laughs> one point to team A. So well done. That was okay. Charles de Gaulle Airport. Yeah. Uh, so, Team B, Nick and Micah, your airport is coming up on the screen right now. No, okay. I think I know that one. Oh, that's an easy one, that is. Oh, is it? What oh. do you reckon, Micah? Uh, I've got no idea. I'm not uh, good at airports. Actually, I, I'm beginning to change my mind now. This, Are you? This, oh. Yes. Um, yeah, this is perfect. Because it looks like it's an American one. This is perfect uh, that we've got one American road. and one Brit on, on each team, so we should yeah, have the is whole that an world American cover. road, Micah? It definitely looks like an American road, but uh, I, what I... I was thinking, I was going to suggest it was somewhere in the Middle East. Oh. But, uh, but of Dagenham. Well, Dag if it's America, you'll have to do it, because <laughs> I've only flown into a, half a, a dozen American airports. Getting, uh, having a hard time seeing it, because I only got the small photo here on Zoom. How Is long? that uh, SFO? San Francisco? No, I don't think so. Ooh. Okay, what are you going to plump for? What are you going to go for, guys? Oh, I don't know. It's not Newark. I don't want to guess. And it's not JFK? No, it's not JFK. Uh, just think of a big airport that I haven't been to. Oh, here? Uh, the the no, train is what's throwing me. Okay, is that your final answer? No, What's it's not, not Atlanta. So. Your uh, final answer, just... guys. I'm going to have to push you for time here. Oh, go on, the mic. Your guess. Uh, I'm going to say Atlanta. It's not, but I'm going to say Atlanta. <laughs> oh, oh sorry, guys. <laughs> Incorrect. Uh, we're going to have to pass it on to Team A for a bonus point. Team A, Armando, Nev. Well, Carlos and I have been to this airport. Ah. Uh -huh. <laughs> And Nick oh, was Dubai. very close when he said <laughs> he thought it was the Middle East. Um, Nev, your final answer? I'm going to take a guess at Dubai International Airport. You're there correct. We well done. Uh, well yeah. done. Well done. I was fooled very by good. that freeway. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I bet. I bet. Okay. I didn't, right, next I one. didn't have a single clue except for all of the aircraft appar- apparently are Emirates. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. A bit of a clue there. Yeah. <laughs> next you one. That's for no, yeah, so I've got a blur. So for Team A, there we go. Oh, Never I, Armando. Oh, that's easy. Is I it? mean, anyone. I, yeah, the easy Atlanta Hartsfield International Airport. Mm. Oh yeah, this is rigged. <laughs> this uh, that that <laughs> runway down there at the at the uh, on the south side, it, it's pretty awesome to to be driving along and you see these aircraft taxiing above you. Plus, I I was based at this airport, so yes, so, it is yeah. so your final answer, answer is final answer. Hartsfield International. <laughs> well there done, we you're correct. Good, yeah. Well done, well done. <laughs> okay, right. Moving next on one, to the Team next B. One. Oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that that a bad thing? I don't uh, know. That's the same reaction he's he, to me. What do you reckon, Micah? <laughs> This is the same reaction that Nick has uh, when he sees it on his roster that he, this is a oh, destination. Wait a minute! Oh, wait a minute! I think I know what I. Uh, oh, I used to think I. Uh, oh, you've been know, there, Nick. Two, one, three. Uh, you've been there plenty. Mike is still there because he's gone awfully bloody quiet. Yeah, 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 am I doing I'm, a one-man show here? I think you're doing a one-man show, Nick. <laughs> I, I've got no. Okay. Just not good I, at these. I, wait, I, hold on. What? I want to. I want to help these guys succeed. Can I tell you which way the picture is oriented? Well, I reckon uh, it's orientated for two two right. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go Southwest. with JFK. Going to go your with JFK. Nick? That's your fight. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. You're well correct. Done. Well, done. <laughs> well done, guys. Well done. Right, team. <laughs> oh come on! Oh, come on. This next one. Here we go. Easy, isn't it? Yes. You can always go around. <laughs> uh, that was the uh, the former uh, airport at Kai Tak. Uh, oh, well which, done, well done. Which, well if, done. You, if you haven't heard Nick's story about uh, sitting atop a Catholic girls' school with a long lens, you should listen to it. <laughs> wow! Right, Very so true. Team B. Those Catholic girls. They Team B, this three. is uh, this is your one. Okay. Hmm. Well. <sighs> I this one. Uh, I've a funny feeling. I have seen a picture of a seven o seven parked on that funny circular terminal off to the left. So I reckon it's an American yeah. one. What do you reckon? But perhaps uh, I can't think of exactly. Wait a minute. I'm trying to think it of it. Wouldn't be airport. Gatwick, would it? Yeah, you know, I was feeling Gatwick, that yeah. might be Gatwick. Is that Michael. your final answer? And your final yeah. answer, Nick? Yes. I've never been to Gatwick. Well done. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Gatwick. <laughs> London Gatwick. Airport. Cool, that was a close one. I thought, oh no, he's going down the wrong path. <laughs> I always do. Right. <laughs> right, Team A, this one. You see, that's easy. It's a UK. Well, that's got a lot of uh, orange in it, mm. isn't it? So that now, gluten? is that going to be? Yes, I was thinking that. Yes, with the orange um, hanging. Cambridge. I would say that is. Um, well, they call it London Luton, don't they? So yes, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Is that your final answer? It is. Yes. Correct. Well done, Ooh. London Luton. It is. Right, go. Team B. This is your one. Oh, Lord. 
Nick, you must get this. It's so easy. Must I? Why? Why well, must I? Well, it's it's <laughs> it's an airport that 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 you probably know. See, airports are like shopping malls. You could be dropped <laughs> off at anyone, any place in the world, and you yeah, wouldn't know if you're blindfolded. You'd never know where you are. Yeah, they all look identical. Oh man, I, I know exactly which one this is. Mm. Pass, pass. Come on, Mikey, you're you're not helping a lot. I know I'm not helping because I I don't know my airports. I just have no idea, especially from well, the outside. From the clue, uh, uh, this might be uh, the south side of Heathrow, but I don't recognize anything. Yeah, I, where's I all really the green? Don't. You know, it's... it looks like there's a lot of grass there, and I can't. Well, it looks like there's a a, a Roman Colosseum somewhere <laughs> in the background. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh, okay. But but yeah, but I, it, just the look of the the grass and things. So there's a lot of uh, um, fields it, in the background, uh, which mm. suggests it's in a slightly rural location, doesn't it? Indeed. Yes, you, I happen to agree. Oh, I'm going to give, give, give you a give you a clue. I'm going to give you a clue, uh, Nick. Right, I can give you a clue. Um, Beans, you're slightly lacking in points for your team. Um, if you were going to be flying out on a certain low-cost carrier from the UK to get to your low-cost carrier terminal gate is a long walk. This is well, this I is why we gave low cost. The only oh, airport so... I've ever been to in the UK is is LHR. So I have no idea. <laughs> this is why we gave Nick the retirement home stories. It can't be Gatwick. Right. What's your final answer, Mister Anderson? Anderson. Oh, what? You're joking. I can't believe it. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Well done. Well done. Just, do you think you're just playing playing us along all, all this time? <laughs> right. Team A, what is this one? Uh, is, this, is this LAX? A really cramped terminal there. Yeah, and now LAX has got... Yeah, like LA two parallel runways and then another two parallel offset, isn't it? To the to the right. It's super. In, I I. It's not it's my favorite airport, airport in the world to na navigate around, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's, I I'm gonna go with LAX because all the all the concourses are all like packed into that. Yeah, I I thought final with, answer. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Well done. Well done. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. LAX it is. Well Here done. We well go. done. Uh, next one for Ooh. Nick Mom's and gone. <laughs> ah, it's a single runway. Is this one Gatwick? Oh my gosh, this could literally be any airport in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's just it's an ex-military uh, airport. It's uh, up against. Uh, it's not particularly significant because you know this not one big. I, I have before. I have got off a couple of clues to give you, so on, I'll, give you, I'll give you the first clue. The first clue is this is the home of the East Anglian Air Ambulance. Oh yeah, like I live in East Anglia, do I? <laughs> <laughs> you okay. might you might as well have just given him a clue about yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. That doesn't help this American. East oh, Anglia. Yeah. I, is that in England? East Anglia, <laughs> yeah, just about, yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of what, Michael? What's the name of the their useless airfield that they keep talking about that has lots of old airplanes and oh, they're turning it into a pig farm or something? I forget now. 
Brunting no. Thorpe? No. Is that it? <laughs> Is that the name of it? No Is that what you're either. going with? I don't know. I'm asking Mike, and not you. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'm telling you, <laughs> I have no idea. No oh, idea. Like, I mean, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, I'd like to fire my co... I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish you would. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know anywhere in East Anglia. Uh, I'll, I'll just uh, be I, here to be it. stupid. It, 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 I'm just thinking, it's not currently military, is it? I don't even know where East it's, Anglia it's not, is. It's not military at the moment, no. I think it was at one time, but it's not military right. anymore. Well, yeah, um, East Anglia. I, I, I don't mm. know UK geography. Oh, right. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him one. I'm going to give him one more clue. It's on, so this airport is based in the city that used to be home to a certain character called Alan Partridge. <laughs> I know. Who's Alan Partridge? Oh, crikey. And uh, how the hell do I know where he comes from? Oh, this wow. is... Dibbon, this is he comes from Dibbon, was, was he a comic? I don't know. You see, I want to go with something like Finningley, but it looks a bit small for Finningley. Are you going to, uh, what's your final answer, Mr Anderson? What is your final answer? Uh, what is the name of that uh, stupid airfield you, you go to? It is Bruntingthorpe, isn't it, or something? Or, yeah, oh. It is an international airport, by the way. It is, what? yes. Another clue. It Robin is an international Hood. airport. Yeah. That's no, no small oh. Midlands, you see, Robin Hood, isn't it? <laughs> Norwich. Oh, is that oh. your final answer? Yes. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well done. That is Norwich. Was it? Was it yeah, right? that was yeah, Norwich. Right. Yeah. Oh, my oh, goodness word. me. That was a close right. one. The final team one. Uh, no, not final one. Got Sorry, one more team, after yeah, this. yeah, two more to go. So, Team A, what is this one? I don't know this one. This it's awful green. Uh, oh, hang on. Um, Boy, that is a very unique runway setup. Yes. There. Now, with all that funny runway alignment and spread out apron, I would say that is Amsterdam Schiphol. Is yeah. that your final answer? Yes, I think it is. Yes, correct answer. Well done. Well done. Wow. Yes, well, well, done. done. Yeah, yeah. well done. Well done. And finally, finally, heck, come on, Nick. Oh, we get another one. Yes, uh, uh, we I'll go to? with uh, San Francisco. With that one, what do you reckon, Micah? Or I'll it could be you. Boston. Um, I hang on a minute. If I was making, yeah, approach, no, I think uh, I. I think you're probably. I think you might be Boston. Think it's San Francisco. I, I think it is. It looks San Francisco-ish. They have two parallel runways, though. That definitely. Yeah, that I thought they're a bit closer than that. Yeah, but they I are. Think we can I don't. Get... I'm sure no, I don't we'll go with San Fran. I can't think of another one. Okay. Your final answer, San Francisco. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, ah, you have to pass it over to Team A. Um, oh man. I think we may be going down under. Oh. You are good at your airports. Hey, that's a clue. That's cheating. I'm stuck between the two now. Hey, we um, were so far behind anyway, it didn't matter. No, you're not that far, but you're not that far behind. Sydney, final answer. Well, yes, I, I think it, that's 3-4 left and 3-4 right at Sydney. Airport. Oh, is that your final answer? Yes. Correct. Well done. Well done. Well yeah. done. So that's... 
But we're, we're going to throw a bonus one in. We're going to throw the bonus one in oh, just no. so someone to? can get a point. Here we go. Oh, here okay. Is... All right. Hang on. Yeah, it's not here as easy the... as that, mate. <laughs> oh, sorry. We're going to have to uh, hold five for a second. On, two seconds. Right. Here we go. This then. is all or nothing. This is all or nothing. Oh. Bonus question. The winner First of this one. takes all. First one to guess this one. First team gets the point. Ready. Are you ready? Here Three, two, one. San Francisco, the professionals. Oh, oh. Well, done. Yeah. well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well, that is round of applause. Well, so, Team A ended up with, uh, well, nine points for that one. Great. Well done, Team A. With the winners. Um, Actually, Nick was on the right track because it does look like Sydney, except the runways are closer together. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, mount- the mountains give it away, though, on the, the uh, west side of the bay. Well done. Yep. You, uh, you've excelled yourselves this evening or today, guys. I, I still say. want my mug. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is Christmas. All right, leave it with me. We'll get... <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's, uh, that bring concludes our host competition for this year. Well done, everyone. Uh, so we're going to have a quick uh, round-robin catch-up with, uh, with our guests then for today and just see what everyone is up to over the festive period. So we'll start with you, Micah. That where we are at round robin. I'm, I'm on the show notes. Wait a minute. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Catch up. Catch up with catch up with the guests. Come on. Oh, son of a gun. What am I up to for Christmas? You know, I uh, I don't have a lot of plans going on at this point. It's uh, going to be a very very quiet Christmas for me. Uh, nothing at all happening. We've uh, at this point we are at the highlight of my Christmas right here in the Christmas show. Oh. Aww. Indeed. Are you, are you spending it with anyone over Christmas? Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> no, as, as, as you guys may remember yes. from my previous stories, my Christmas is based on getting a fish sandwich from McDonald's on right. Christmas Eve. Yes. <laughs> calling my friend Beth, who I've been talking to now for, let me think, that would be 20, it'll be 48 years every Christmas Eve. Uh, we talk and, uh, and then, uh, you know, listening to the Christmas show. Oh, that's about yeah. it there we go armando what have you got on the cards are, are you doing lots of flying or are you off over christmas yeah i mentioned that on our our last actual recorded show the bulk of my uh flying took takes place over december with the families that i tend to shuttle around so by the time this airs out i will have flown pretty much all over the east coast and out to las vegas and albuquerque but for Christmas itself, the whole family is going up to Washington, D.C., where I'm from. My my parents still live in Washington, D.C., some of my best friends. So we've rented a large Airbnb for the all of Megan's family to come up to D.C., and we will just hang out. Uh, first stop is going to be the National Air, Air and Space Museum there at, in uh, downtown D.C. at the mall uh, because they have just renovated uh, two of their wings, I believe, so... Whether anybody in my family comes with me or not, that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> love that. Love that. Carlos, what are you doing for Christmas? I presume a quiet one with you and Gemma, hopefully. Quiet one, that is. I know. It's, it's, one, it's one of the first times in, I can't remember how many years, that I've got Christmas Eve off. So um, we're going to make the most of just chilling out here Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day, obviously, this uh, glorious show will be uh, broadcasting live. But uh, seeing seeing my dad actually this year for the first time in a lot of years, I should be spending Christmas with my father. 
Um, so that'll be quite fun because we are both very, very good real ale drinkers. So um, we shall be on. I think he's got a, a cask of something coming in ready for Christmas. So that'll be us on Christmas Day. And then uh, I'll be seeing the, the parent-in-laws on Boxing Day, which will be fun. Yeah, we're doing something similar. We're going to, uh, so it's just me and mum on Christmas Day, having a lovely quiet time here. We we don't do turkey at Christmas. We do, uh, we, we, we always do something a bit different. Uh, so we're actually treating ourselves and I'm going to be making some homemade individual beef wellingtons for our, di- our Christmas dinner, which I'm very much looking forward to. So that that's going to be a real treat. Um, and then off to Uncle's on Boxing Day, uh, which is a bit of a tradition in our house as we, we go off to Clacton to go and uh, go and, uh, uh, well, you at the moment, go and enjoy someone else's heating. Uh, but, <laughs> but there we go, yeah. Nev, what about you? Yes, well, we are going to go to the Eden Project on Christmas oh, Eve. That's that Ooh. rather nice uh, structure down in the West Country, just in, in Cornwall. Uh, been to that a couple of times before, but never this time of year. So it should look very nice in yeah, the Christmas lights on and what have you. And then we're spending the Christmas Day uh, down at the Crown Plaza in Plymouth. Ooh. Uh, oh. Where they can do all the cooking. Oh, i say. Uh, where we collapse into uh, some a food-related coma, yes, yes. Uh, in the afternoon. Love uh, the sound of that. That sounds so, like the future. Yes, yeah. that, that is the plan. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but they're not shy in in charging uh, no, no. G- good prices for yes, that. So we've yes. got to save up a bit for it. Looking after well, you, I think, is the word. Yes, we're yeah. looking forward to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, you'll be very busy on uh, over Christmas itself, Nick, delivering lots of presents. But uh, will you and Mrs. Nick have any? Down- Downtime at all? Oh yeah! In fact, uh, we plan to come over to your place to enjoy a nice beef Wellington. Do so. please! You're more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Always room at my table for you, Nick. Yeah, my own individual beef Wellington. Um, we have got our two boys uh, who are like limpets are still insistent on coming and enjoying Jilly's uh, cooking. Uh, I did take her to a lovely hotel uh, for a few days uh, last year, but then she caught sight of the bill and she said, we're never doing that again. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a shame. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. No, I always um, thought that... But, uh, Yes, we're having uh we're going to have a nice time here with um uh Matt's uh, company's wine uh, is coming uh, being Ooh. delivered in a couple of days. Uh we're going to have enough for uh, several bottles a day for the entire Christmas period. And uh, what else are we going to do? Um that's it really. I can't, oh we got of course we got a new dog in the household. So we got, oh, wow. we'll have oh. great fun walking her uh, along with the other two. Always nice to get out um and stretch our legs and try and walk off some of that Christmas. Another busy Nick. Sorry? Another another busy? Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a family uh, we've adopted one. Uh 20 oh, months wow. old. Uh, from a family who were struggling uh, with a little kid, who that little youngster, who was terrified of the dog, because they are pretty, they're pretty f- uh, full-on yeah. animals. Uh, so uh, um, they they just needed to rehome her, really, just to mm. bring sanity back to their household, and we're the lucky recipients. So uh, we're wow. delighted to have uh, Zayda, as she is now called, um, come yeah. join us. Zayda the Huntress, that stands for. 
Wow. Now, I wow. thought all you Brits for Christmas sat around in front of the fire and drank wassail and, and ate Christmas pudding. I guess it's not the way it goes. Huh? Christmas pudding. Oh, no, that's very true. Uh, I do like a, a quick wassail. Uh, I'm very partial to it. So, uh, yeah, that, that and um, some mulled wine uh, is very good. I think I'll mull that over. Good idea. By the way, I might point out your blue light in the middle of your forehead doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, actually, it is. It's just not quite as bright. If I tilt oh, my head down, okay. you can see that it's there. But right. that's all right. I see because, you've got you know, your, your port light flashing. Yeah. Uh, and um, your starboard light is round by your left ear. So I'm a bit worried about that. Well, like I said, it's not quite as bright because I'm not that bright. It's just one of those things. <laughs> so next up, we've got our Christmas competition to win some great Ooh. prizes this year. And it's yeah. your chance, the listener, to uh, enter and win um, some 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 interesting prizes this year, I will say. Uh, Matt's got the pictures. He's going to pop up on the screen uh, of what we are offering this year. So the first one, uh, we've got questions for each of the tags. So if you want to enter, uh, you have to answer the question. Make sure you put in a, in your email to the uh, to the show uh, which tag you want to enter to win, along with the answer to the question. So we've got three tags, three very interesting tags to give away this year. And the first one is uh, a tag from an A400M. Now, this is obviously the Atlas A400M. This is from uh, the Royal Air Force's uh, Zulu Mike 403. And this is from, I think this is from an access panel door from the aircraft. It's quite an interesting tag, this. It's it's a, a composite. It's a cut from a composite part. So you can see the honeycomb structure inside, which is um, fairly interesting. Matt's got the pictures on the screen there for those of you looking at the YouTube feed. And... Next one on the list, we're going uh, to get Just away. a question on oh, that. Oh, yeah, far away. Is that um, one that the Air Force have already managed to crash, or did the panel just fall <laughs> off? I, that I don't know, Nick. It is from the access panel, but whether it, the aircraft is still flying, so I did actually check. So whether oh, okay. Uh, so what, did it land in someone's backyard and they cut it into quite, quite possibly. Quite possibly. Wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> Are these... This this has been limited. They've they've produced fifty of these, and so we've got. I think this is number ten of these of the. Well, 50. I think that's oh, well a total done. number of A four hundred M's that are actually yeah. in the air. It's only fifty of them. So that is the uh, first uh, first one we've got. So next tag is one of Nev's favourites. This is from um, actually it's from a, a BA seven four seven, isn't it, Nev? Yes. Um, from Golf Bravo Yankee Golf Alpha. This was delivered to BA back in 1998, served with them until retirement in 2020. Uh, the top deck of this particular aircraft lives on as the deck based in Manchester and is the ultimate 747 experience if you've not already been there. So this, again, is another piece of composite cut from the aircraft. And uh, this is also a limited, a limited cut. I think they've done 2,000 cuts of this. Um, and that's uh, available to you to win as well. And now, the last... here's, a, here's a note for people who are going to visit this establishment. What did you call it again? Uh, it's the oh, deck. The deck. If you go visit the deck, just make sure you don't grab the seat that's underneath that little square hole that's in the ceiling when it rains, okay? Because <laughs> otherwise you're going to get a bit wet. Just a, oh, no. just a. And the last tag we've got to give away is very apt because we've got Captain Nick on the Christmas show this year. And this last tag is from a Phantom F4J. 
Ooh, oh, a J, oh, the J model, that nasty lot. No, this one, <laughs> this was uh, Zulu X, uh, Zulu um, um, Echo 352. This is uh, call sign Black Bunny. This was actually the aircraft was designated. In 1991, the aircraft was retired from service. It was used as an airfield decoy at RAF Labruch. Is that right, Nick? Labruch, uh, in, yes, Germany. in Germany. Yeah, uh, the Bayer Fuselage sub uh, subsequently was repatriated by road to form a fixed target at Falness Range in Essex. Wherever that there is, you I'm sure you've been there as well, Nick. Uh, here it incurred heavy damage from an explosive ordnance strike to the right-hand air intake, where this tag has been cut from. Uh, 50 of these were cut, and this is number eight of those 50 we've got to give away. And I think you can agree there, I think you guys can see that, it's quite a weathered tag. I thought you were going to say it was one of uh, Captain Nick's uh, aircraft that he caused to be unserviceable or something like that. <laughs> ah, not in this case. It, the result of one of my landings, is that yes. what you're trying to say? Did you want to look at the, or read the questions out uh, for these tags for, yes. uh, for the listeners? Um, how they so, can win each one? Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to the, uh, the A400 one, uh, first of all. Uh, so the question, in order to win the A400M tag, what aircraft was the V-22 Osprey developed from? What aircraft was the V-22 Osprey developed from? I'm underapproved of that one. Uh, for the BA-747-400, tag that's uh, golf bravo yankee golf alpha it's a good question this one actually um obviously um laker airways was known for one of the first uh, mainline aircraft uh, um, um, firms to offer low-cost flying uh, across the Atla uh, north atlantic and the question is what year was laker airways founded what year was laker airways founded and in order to win the f4 phantom tag uh the question is as follows on the 6th of december 1959 the second xf4h-1 phantom performed a zoom climb to a world record height what was that height and we will accept feet or meters uh, for the answer. So, question again. On the 6th of December 1959, the second XF4H-1 Phantom performed a zoom climb to a world record height. What was that height? Those are the questions. That, I thought you wanted that in inches, Nev. Well, we can... We, uh, we can yeah, offer, six and a half inches. Well, there we are. Um, uh, we can offer any uh, unit of measurement here, but uh, uh, feet or meters. Oh, could I perfect. do it in fortnights per um, fortnights <laughs> per fathom? Yes. Or in cubits? Yeah, yeah, cubits and rods. I should point out that uh, show hosts are not allowed to answer uh, uh, to this question. <laughs> no, Armando. <laughs> uh, so those was, are the questions. And, I was thinking uh, hectopascals as one of our most exotic, uh, yeah, measurements. But you guys are actually used to them. So, <laughs> oh, I like the video, Armando. Except I'm feeling Essex. <laughs> That's the point of the show. That's the content of the show, not the video. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to say questions. you're only just feeling that. 
<laughs> we're going to pop those questions as well on social media guys and girls so don't panic we'll pop those on our facebook page mm. uh, over christmas so everyone can uh, get a chance at having a go at winning uh so just before we uh, wrap up of course uh, there was supposed to be somebody else who was joining us today unfortunately he's oh. not very well and he has sent in an apology video as well and of course after that then uh, we do have a wonderful festive message from michael to enjoy but uh, First of all, uh, here are our apologies from Captain Al. Hi guys, unfortunately I can't be with you for the Christmas show. As you may be able to see and hear, I have man flu. Notwithstanding that, I hope that all of the viewers and listeners of Plain Talking UK have a fantastic Christmas and a safe, healthy and prosperous new year. Rest assured, I'll be back. Wow, what I mean, I mean it's, it's almost sounds like a threat. Do you think he sends a, a slightly different version of that to his companies <laughs> as well, just so they, he can, they can show them that he really is incapacitated? I know, absolutely. It's, uh, I, 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 he should definitely sign himself up for some voice work with a, with a, with well, a, with a, with a baritone certainly. there. I think it's quite nice. Yeah, good, good day rate for that kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, even better at night. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Hey, do a Barry Manilow. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Now, as is traditional with our Christmas shows, of course, we do have uh, our, our festive message. So, Michael, if you could perhaps uh, tell everybody about the wonderful Christmas message that you've, uh, you've put together for us, the Christmas story for this year. Well, I uh, was trying to look at something or find something that would be a little unique and a little more aviation-related than some of my other stories, and, uh, well, I think I did. Why don't you play it? Christmas trees and B-17s in three, two. It's Christmas time again, a time of merriment, of warm thoughts of friends and family, tidings of comfort and joy and all that. It's now been seven years that I've been sharing Christmas stories with you. It's become a part of my life and one of my very favorite Christmas traditions, which, as you know if you've been listening all these years, are actually quite limited. Society in general, and Christmas in particular, is far more inclusive these days than it once was. As I've told you before, as a child I always felt left out of Christmas. It just wasn't a holiday for me and all of my family. Not a part of our faith and certainly not a part of our traditions. It wasn't that we were left out, but in many ways we were shunned away. You see, society changes over time and has changed tremendously over the past half century. While the world is still not as inclusive and all-embracing as it could be, it's certainly much better than it once was. For example, as I may have told you before, I learned from my mother before her passing that in the early 1960s, when I was four years old and my folks were shopping for the house I grew up in, our home for over 50 years that was only sold after my mother passed, anyway, at that time, we were excluded from one of the houses we were considering because the town didn't accept Jews. This wasn't necessarily legal, but nonetheless, it was a way of the world at the time. This same kind of discrimination was even worse back in the 1940s and 50s. Just ask Cy Spiegel. He can tell you. Who's Cy Spiegel, you ask? Well, he's a man who has probably had a bigger influence on your life than you know. And obviously, you've probably never heard of him before. Born in Manhattan on May 25, 1924, Cy grew up to be small in stature, only five foot seven inches tall and 150 pounds. 
still in high school when Pearl Harbor was attacked on December 7, 1941. His older brother was drafted almost immediately after that fateful day. Sai soon realized that the draft would keep him from attending college, so thinking he might be more useful to the war effort, he changed his high school curriculum from academics to industrial arts. After high school, Sai took a defense industry job in a machine shop, figuring he might as well do what he could while awaiting the draft. But he soon found out that his machine shop job gave him a deferment from selective service, something he found unacceptable. He didn't want to sit out the war at home and felt he could serve his country better in the armed services. So soon, he enlisted in the U.S. Army, and it turned out he was a valuable enlistee. His skills as a machinist placed him in aircraft mechanic school in the U.S. Army Air Corps. After basic training in Atlantic City, Sai was assigned to the Casey Jones School of Aeronautics for what was then the equivalent of an AMP, then on to LaGuardia Field and eventually to Roosevelt Field in Long Island. But Sai didn't want to be stuck behind the lines for the duration of the war. After all, he gave up a deferment that could have kept him out of the service entirely. Sai wanted a bigger part in the fight. He asked around, how do you get to fly planes? Eventually he found out that by taking the bus from Roosevelt Field just a couple of miles to the recruitment office on Mitchell Field, he might be able to get reassigned. Fortunately, the U.S. Army Air Corps desperately needed pilots. Sai was almost immediately shipped off to Nashville for ground school and then to Santa Ana, California, where he learned to fly on the Ryan PT-19A. His advanced training took place in Douglas, Arizona, where he flew the Curtis Wright 89 Jeep, a strange-looking, unstable aircraft. So unstable, in fact, that while a total of 491 89s were built, only two survive. One of them is in the National Museum of the United States Air Force in Dayton, Ohio. And actually, that one is an amalgamation of two separate 89 wrecks that were combined to make one complete aircraft for static display. The other surviving 89 is a wreck that was recovered by the Pima Air and Space Museum. It's in such bad shape that it may never be able to be restored. You see, the 89 was so well known for its instability and being so very difficult to fly that even instructors were afraid to fly it. Nonetheless, Cy Spiegel managed to make it through his time training in it. After the 89, Cy went on to his type rating in the B-17 in New Mexico. From there, he was sent to Lincoln, Nebraska, where he met the men that would become his crew in Europe. What a journey for a young kid who had grew up in and had never left the New York City area before. But this was only the beginning of Cy's adventures. Now, though it can't be proven, it seemed that the B-17 to which Cy was assigned as pilot was sabotaged at the factory. Upon takeoff in Nebraska, on his way to England, one tire was so out of round that his wings wobbled up and down and side to side as he was going down the runway. He stopped the takeoff and eventually got the tire replaced. On his next takeoff attempt, all of the lights and instruments went out. The investigation found that an entire wiring panel had stripped out so it would short against the aluminum fuselage of the B-17 whenever it came into contact. After having the wiring repaired, he headed to Janeer Field in New Hampshire, now known as Manchester Airport. As he was landing, he saw they had a whole emergency crew standing by. Fire trucks, ambulances, the works. He figured someone was in trouble. When he touched down, he found out it was him. He was told they saw flames coming out of an engine, but when they checked it out on the ground, they found nothing. 
So off they went to Goose Bay, Labrador in Canada. The same thing happened when they arrived in Goose Bay. A whole emergency crew was waiting for him on the ground. But this time, the waste gunner saw flames coming out of the number two engine. There was nothing that could be done except to land and shut down. Fortunately, no one was hurt. The fire didn't spread and eventually went out. In the search for the problem, it turned out that there was a pinhole in the diaphragm of the fuel pump on number two engine. With the fuel pump directly over a turbocharger that gets red hot during flight, the leaking fuel dropped down to set off a flame coming out of the back of the engine. Fortunately, the flame didn't go back up into the fuel tank. If it had, the aircraft would have blown up. Eventually, size B-17 was made fit for duty, and he left Canada to arrive in England in September 1944. He was part of the 8th Air Force and stationed near the Channel, in Eye, about 100 miles northeast of London and about 18 miles from where Matt and Carlos sit in their PTUK studios. Cy was only 20 years old when he flew his first mission over Europe, a milk run, he was told, to where the German line was retreating in Belgium. It was an easy mission, and he thought to himself, this was going to be great. Here he was, Cy Spiegel, from New York City, 5 foot 7 inches and 150 pounds, 20 years old, and in command of his own B-17. What optimism! Now remember, over 50,000 U.S. aircrew died during World War II, and most of those were on B-17s and B-24s. Over 20,000 of those were from the 8th Air Force. Cy was lucky for his first 32 missions, but things changed on mission number 33. It was February 3, 1945, a Saturday, early in the morning, when Cy Spiegel took his place in what we now call the Berlin Mission. Over 1,400 bombers and close to 1,000 fighters took off to destroy the headquarters of the Luftwaffe. It was a massive raid, what was referred to as a maximum effort, and for the first time, Cy had some misgivings. He knew this time, as he was bombing Berlin directly, there was no doubt that there would be civilian casualties. But he also knew that he needed to do his part to end the war. On his way to Berlin, he lost an engine. Sy said this wasn't too unusual, and he could still keep up with the formation. He could have turned back, but he didn't. He knew this was a maximum effort. Over Berlin, though, he was hit by flak, lost a second engine, and started to lose fuel. With only two engines left on his four-engine flying fortress, there was no way he could keep up with the group. He was flying into a headwind, losing altitude, and had to fly back into flak to get back to England. There was no way he could make it. Now, Sy knew that this late in the war, being captured by the Germans was going to be even more unpleasant than what POWs had experienced previously. By February 1945, many downed aircrew were being shot on sight, not just by soldiers, but by civilians, too. He and his crew wouldn't be safe making an emergency landing in Germany. But Sy also knew that Germany was on the retreat, and our Russian allies had taken Warsaw. He figured he and his crew would be safe once he got behind Russian lines. He told his navigator to plot a course to Warsaw, and instructed his radio men to relay their status to back to headquarters. Then, flying on only two engines and losing altitude fast, he had his crew jettison anything and everything they could to lighten the load. Out went ammunition, flak jackets, guns, anything that wasn't necessary to stay in the air. Sy made it to Warsaw and could see the city was truly torn apart by the war. 
he sighted the Vistula River and followed it downstream, where he spotted a single-engine Russian aircraft at about 200 feet. Sy partially lowered his gear and fired flares to signal the Russian pilot. The little plane waggled its wings to tell the crippled B-17 to follow. In formation, they flew low to the ground on a dangerous flight never more than 200 feet AGL over forests. Sy spotted an open, frozen-over potato field not far from the city of Plock, where he had enough room to make a belly landing. The B-17 was never to fly again, but neither Sy nor any of his crew were hurt. Soon they were surrounded by Polish villagers. Sy and his co-pilot shouted, Amerikanski! Amerikanski! not wanting to be mistaken as the enemy. The villagers were shouting, Benzine! Benzine! They wanted the petrol from the airplane, which was leaking everywhere. The townspeople came rushing in with buckets to gather it up. The Poles brought Sy and his crew to their Russian allies in Plock, where they were treated like heroes. They were eventually transferred to a Russian-held abandoned German airfield in Torin that another American B-17 crew had used to make an emergency landing, having lost an engine and then a tire when setting down. The two crews figured they would only be there a week or so until the Americans sent a plane to recover them, but that was not to be. A recovery plane was never sent. While the air crews were not being held captive, and more or less had free run of the base, they weren't allowed to leave without approval from Moscow. They were in a bureaucratic prison, but more or less were able to stay and do as they liked. Eventually they got tired of waiting and came up with their own plan. They decided to head back to the potato field where Sy made his emergency landing, about 75 miles away. They would take one of the remaining good engines and a tire from that plane and install them on the other crew's B-17 that still had three good engines. After bribing and bartering with Russian soldiers, they managed to get a hold of a tractor to use to haul back the good tire and working engine. They set out on the recovery mission and managed to get everything they needed back to Torin, where they cut down some telephone poles to use as hoists in lifting and replacing the engine. Then, using tools abandoned by the Germans, working in plain sight of the Russians, together, both crews managed to reassemble the B-17 into flying condition. Sy's skills as a machinist and his training at the Casey Jones School of Aeronautics sure paid off. On March 17, 1945, St. Patrick's Day, all 19 men from both crews got into the hastily repaired B-17 and taxied out to the runway to take off. No one really tried to stop them. With no maps, no nothing really, they plotted their route to try to avoid German anti-aircraft fire and flew for eight hours, about 800 miles, to Foggia on the east coast of Italy. When the B-17 was checked over by the Army Air Corps crew chiefs, two bolts were tightened. Everything else was perfect. Sy and his crew flew the same B-17 that they had escaped in from Poland back to England. But this wasn't the end of Sy Spiegel's service. After his daring escape, he went on to fly two more missions, completing a total of 35 before he was finally sent back home to the USA on August 31, 1945. Sy entered the war and fought for his country as a first lieutenant. He flew 35 missions as PIC of a B-17, including mission number 33, where he rebuilt a disabled flying fortress and made a daring escape to return to service. But Sy Spiegel was also sent home a first lieutenant, having never received a promotion. This wasn't unusual for Jews in the military back then. Discrimination played a major role in the armed services, and anti-Semitic factors kept them from promotions. This went on in the private sector as well. 
Although many World War II combat veterans with far less experience in Psy went on to work as commercial pilots in the growing airline industry after the war, as Psy Spiegel said, and I quote, they weren't taking Jews after World War II. They were blatant about it. It wasn't that they gave you some excuse. They told you, we don't hire Jews. Psy tried engineering schools. He enrolled at CCNY, the City College of New York, but he found he just couldn't deal with the immaturity of his classmates, who, even though they were close to the same age, didn't have the kind of worldly experiences Psy had gained during his time in the Air Corps. He ended up in vocational school and worked in various machine shops to support himself and his then-new wife. By the way, his wife, Motoko Akeda, spent most of the war with her family, confined to internment camps in California and Wyoming, because her parents were born in Japan. And although that's a story in and of itself, it shows that this kind of discrimination was not limited to just one group. Eventually, Sai found a full-time job as a machinist, paying a dollar eighty an hour at a brush company in Mount Vernon, New York. So here's where our story changes a bit. You see, back in the late 1940s and early 1950s, window dressings were a big deal. TV was brand new, and not everyone had one. There were no mobile phones, no computers, and no internet. Radio was the mass media of the day. The way people were introduced to new products was through newspapers and magazine ads, but mostly display windows. One of the big fads in window dressing at the time was to create colored wave designs by using millions of tiny multicolored brushes. Eventually this fad passed, as fads are apt to do, and the $12,000 machines $12,000 being a fortune at that time, but yes, $12,000 machines that Cy was responsible for at his company, American Brush Design, were no longer necessary. To try to get as much as they could out of these very expensive machines, the company executives came up with the idea to use them to make artificial Christmas trees. Unfortunately, the trees looked awful, being that they were made out of polyvinyl chloride plastic. There was no resemblance to real trees, plus... And some of you may remember this. Back then, in the mid-20th century, artificial Christmas trees were a silvery aluminum designed to be illuminated by rotating colored spots shined on them to light them up for a constant color change. Nobody even considered that an artificial Christmas tree could ever look anything like the real thing. Cy thought better of it, though. He reported back to his boss and told him that he sincerely believed that artificial Christmas trees could be a booming business. Though only a machinist with the company, his boss believed him. The boss created the American Christmas Tree and Wreath Company as a new division and gave it to Cy to run. Cy was given free reign and he was determined to make it a success and create artificial Christmas trees that looked so lifelike that the public would be proud to own and display them. He studied trees in the forest. He brought trees to the office to examine. He worked on his machines, using his machinist skills to create a tree in the factory that truly looked like it came from the wild. Eventually, his work was a success. Soon, American Christmas Tree and Wreath was selling beautiful, natural-looking artificial Christmas trees. The public loved them. In the mid-1970s, over 800,000 trees a year were coming off the line. That was one every four minutes. Cy Spiegel's idea was a success, so much so that with three patents on artificial Christmas trees, he eventually left American Christmas Tree and Wreath to start his own company. In 1993, as a multimillionaire, he sold off his shares and retired. 
Not bad for a nice Jewish boy from New York City, who, even though a hero from World War II, was kept out of the airline industry through prejudice. As of this writing, Cy Spiegel is 98 years old. He lives on the Upper West Side of Manhattan in a beautiful apartment with a gorgeous view of Central Park. Recently, when asked if he had a choice on what his legacy would be, Christmas trees or his heroism during the war, he said that while the war was probably the most exciting time in his life, there's no one left to talk about it with anymore. To me, though, Cy will always be a military hero. But I don't think he's ever seen himself that way. I don't think he does to this day. When asked about it by the New York Times, Cy said, and I quote, I can tell you this. We fought against fascism. We fought against Hitler's desire for a master race. I never thought that fascism was a possible threat to our nation's democracy until now, right now. However, all I'm trying to do is stay alive. We have a lot of things to thank Cy Spiegel for. Not just for risking his life flying 35 missions in his B-17. Not just for rebuilding a downed aircraft and flying his way over occupied territory to come back and fly more missions in the 8th Air Force, doing his part in helping to save the world from a fascist regime. But we need to thank him for much more than that. Cy Spiegel and I have a little bit in common in that neither of us ever celebrated Christmas growing up. Never had it as part of our family traditions as a child. But Cy faced more adversity than I can imagine. Yet he's still a man who to this day helps bring a sense of peace and joy to the holiday season and fill homes all over the world with the Christmas spirit year after year. And even though I'm not sure what we're calling ourselves this year, I'm going to remember back seven years ago and sign off like this, hoping it brings you a lot of holiday memories. For the plane talking safety tau, crazy airline pilot geek, spectacular Christmas extravaganza, here in Portland, Maine, in the USA, this is your main man, Uncle Micah. Well, as always, thank you, Micah, for putting that together. Um, it is a very unique story, and Sai, uh, actually, after I listened to this and you sent us, I uh, sent the rest of the story to my entire family so they could read the New York Times article on it and kind of learn a little bit about about him. But uh, I guess listening to the to the piece that you put together, it was interesting because it, it did take me back. You know, the the armed forces are uh, are what I consider a, a just a little microcosm of society and and. We know from history and even, you know, it's Captain Nick's plain tales that it, it is certainly not immune to social trends, whether positive or negative and influences. And I know as as someone who came to the United States, right, as a Puerto Rican, my my family was all in the U.S. Army in serving from Puerto Rico. And and there was certainly no shortage of discrimination um, to Puerto Ricans who served in World War Two, Korea even Vietnam as they were coming back. Um, and that wasn't, you know, just uh, much like the rest of the country and the rest of the world, there was a lot of uh, underrepresented demographics and minorities that faced a lot of discrimination. So, um, however, one of the things that I am most proud of, of my time in the military, even in my 20 years, was the advantage that you have being an a government organization and as leaders in these organizations and nick can attest to this you can make changes fairly quickly um especially at the tactical and operational level you know changes inside your units and inside your wings and and groups uh to be more air force specific but 
um, I was always very proud of the uh, inclusivity and equality that the U.S. military and our partner militaries showed. Um, and it was always or not always, but often on the forefront of of uh, breaking social barriers. And you could do that in the military. Um, and we've seen that your stories on the geeks uh, on APG, a lot of the plane tales that we've seen where people were breaking barriers air early on in aviation and uh size story is, is no different than that where you, uh, you know, uh, just, just a, such a, a good story. And, and as always, you know, to the, to the service members from the U S military, the British military and, and all of our partner armed forces, um, as well as all the crews, the air crews, you know, this is an aviation podcast. We, we keep them all in our uh, hearts and minds and wish them, you know, a very happy holiday season, uh, wherever you are. And hopefully this show brings a little bit of a, a respite, um, from whatever, where, whatever it is that you're doing. So, and you know, the story was not meant in any way to be disparaging against the military or disparaging against the airlines. It was just a story about society and what society was like back then. And it affected everyone. And it wasn't until, uh, Harry Truman came along that the military was finally integrated. And really it's only recently that, women have had the full ability to be able to serve in every position in the military that men could serve up until really only just recently. So uh, there, there are there are issues everywhere, but there are societal issues. They're not confined to, to the military at all. And, uh, and it's much, much better. And here we are. Exactly. And a heartwarming story it is right for the holidays. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Thanks, Micah, as always, again, for your uh, for the story. I mean, the, the Christmas show, I think it's it's like a, a, a well, a, it's a part of the Christmas show every year, isn't it? And it has been for a lot of years. Comfy. This is our seventh. This is our seventh Christmas show now. Can you believe it? Word. See, I can remember one of our first Christmas shows we done in the room just behind me here. And Nick was there and uh, many, uh, many of uh, many guest hosts were there in the room and Al as well. Uh, yes, absolutely. I remember yeah. that. It was great yeah. fun. So that is where we're going to wrap up the Christmas show for this year. Nev, would you like to uh, to say about the social media links for oh, yes. uh, everyone for watching? Mustn't forget those. Yes, uh, you can search for us on uh, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Just search uh, those platforms for Plain Talking UK. Our WhatsApp number is plus 44757 two two four nine one six six that's plus forty four seven five seven two two four nine one six six uh, you can email the show podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and the website is plaintalkinguk.com you can uh, subscribe to our youtube channel of course you'll get notifications when we go live and you can help to shape the conversation of the show by joining us in the chat room just go to youtube.com and search for plain talking uk and of course you can also become a patreon as well of the show uh, by uh, contributing some of your hard-earned pounds dollars or whatever currency you have uh, there's a link for that on our website at uh, plaintalkinguk.com yeah and don't forget those gray mugs are in the shop now i know armando's got his gray mug uh, which uh, he's uh, drinking probably oh i just thought off. there was a problem with his camera <laughs> i knew you were going to say that nick <laughs> so before we wrap up then one last christmas message from everyone before we wrap up the show starting with micah 
What a pleasure to be here. A pleasure to share my Christmas with all of you and all our listeners. And I thank, uh, please edit this. <laughs> and I thank you all every year for being there and making me a part of your Christmas and your year. And Nick. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, lovely to be on the show again. I'll tell you what's so nice about coming on here is that I can now put all of you guys on my naughty list. So oh. that saves me an awful lot of oh, traveling around because I don't have to bother coming to your place other than stuck. Up. Oh, actually, it'd be quite a good gift this year to put some coal down your chimney. Please, yes, change, that'd be it? very grateful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> grateful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, be very, very grateful. It's like gold. <laughs> Uh, anyway, have a very Merry Christmas, everybody, especially you guys. Lovely to be back on. And Nev? Yeah, it's been a great year, hasn't it? Lots of aviation stuff, as always. Uh, we'll be planning what we're going to be doing for next year in 2023 in the next few weeks. Uh, so bring you more aviation stuff, some uh, great podcasts, great interviews, uh, and also some air shows as well. So in the Ooh, meantime, yes. hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And Armando. Well, I want to thank the uh, Airplane Geeks for lending us Micah, and I want to thank everyone at, over at APG for just a great year, great uh, great year of content. Um, all our other podcast family, um, everybody did a, a, I can't believe the year's over, but just what a great year in, in aviation podcasting. Um, to all our listeners and supporters, uh, man, the show just wouldn't be what it is without without you guys and I, and especially everybody that um, supports the show, but it tends to be the same people that are in the chat room. Uh, I love the, the, the chat every Friday night. It's kind of like getting together with, with friends and, and uh, just talking about airplanes, but, and then my, you know, my family, everyone who supports us doing these uh, silly little podcasts that we enjoy and Carlos, Nev, Matt, and especially John, uh, who puts so much work into the show when the rest of us are just showing up on Friday afternoon like fighter pilots and we just get a briefing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we say, okay, who are we attacking and how are we doing it? Okay, yeah. thanks for doing a, yeah. a bye -bye month now. of yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> Go! Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's it. been a great year and let's... Uh, man, we're closing in on, on episode 500 now, so let's... Let's do that. Oh, don't say that already. Blind, we've got another year to go yet. Cool. <laughs> and Matt. Uh yeah. Um well, I hadn't really thought 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 about that really. Yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a funny old year, I think, for all of us. It's uh, it's been a year full of worry and stress for many of us, I think, really, to be fair. None of us are really quite sure what's around the corner. But the one thing that you can be sure of is that PTUK will always be here to cheer you up and make you feel warm and fuzzy inside on a Friday night. So uh, thank you. My thanks to everyone who's been involved in making this year such a success. And uh yeah, here's to many, many more. Merry Christmas, everyone. That just leaves me to say a big thanks to all the hosts for all the hard work this year, including John, not forgetting John, our loyal producer who sits in our the voice in our ear every week when we're doing a live show. Uh, but thanks to all the hosts for all the hard work this year, Nev with all the interviews and you as well, Nick, for your great work with the interview series that you've done. Fantastic work. And obviously thanks to Micah as well for his fantastic story again this year. And to everyone who watches the show every week and joins us in the chat room thanks to you and everyone who downloads the show you're i mean that that's the reason we do this is because we love uh, seeing you guys every friday night 
chatting away in the chat room is what keeps us uh, keeps us going so that's it for the christmas show 2022 thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you back on live back in 20 or back in 2023 in uh, a few days or a few weeks time it'll be a week's time whenever it is i don't know anyway so for me here in my in the fireplace here i'm gonna go and put some more logs on here in a moment from nev in his six foot deep snow drifts in buckinghamshire from captain nick uh with his glorious <laughs> glorious hat on from armando with a lovely background as always and from micah and from matt and from john have a wonderful christmas we'll see you next year bye everyone Bye.